Welcome to Mostly Talk. This week we're interviewing another captain of industry about life, the universe and everything in between. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Welcome to Mostly Talk. I'm James Brewster, the host. Thanks again to Michael Fair of BIT. This week we're talking to Tima Elhaj about all things social media and personal brand, entrepreneurship and being a busy parent and running a business. How are you? I'm good. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. And uh, welcome to Mostly Talk. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I, lo- I love the accent. I feel like I'm in a movie or something. It's it's kind of surreal. Anytime I come across different accents, it's always fun. So not not that I don't have an accent because clearly I do. But you know, you always think other people have accents. <laughs> but you, you've got quite a neutral accent, I'd say. Are you quite quite an international person? I guess you're you're obviously based um, in Melbourne. And- I'm based in Melbourne. Yeah, I don't know. I I I mean, I am told that quite a bit, but I think it's probably. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, people do say it, but I'm not sure where it comes from, to be honest. <laughs> but but you're educated in Australia, obviously, and you're yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born here, um, yeah. and I was educated here. English actually was my second language. Arabic mm. was my first. Oh, well, cool. Uh, and I and I was taught English pretty much just uh, picking it up at school. Like I wasn't ever properly taught English at home before going to school until I actually started school so okay and did your parents move over to, to Oz or was it kind of further back than that yeah yeah my my dad came here in the late 60s and okay. then my mum came here in the late 70s so and so yeah they've been here a while entrepreneurial like you they kind of they were no business. no <laughs> I'm the I, I think I'm the first yeah the first in the family to yeah, to, to be an entrepreneur, I guess. Um, but obviously, that's kind of like just something that I, I guess I have always wanted from a very, very young age, to be honest. So, so yeah. But no, my dad wasn't a businessman, no. And just his work took him over and he, he settled in Australia. I've been to Melbourne before. It's a phenomenal city. I think I could see why you could call that home. Yeah, well, my my dad had the choice to, I mean, back in those days, it was a lot easier to migrate to another country. Like, you know, Western countries were like desperate to accept ethnics. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And it wasn't like now where you have to go on an incredibly long waiting list and grueling application process. So back then, my dad had the choice to either go to the US, Canada, UK or Australia and he chose Australia so um, and then he traveled quite a bit around um, the country and then he decided to stay in Victoria so which is yeah which is um, Melbourne's the capital city of Victoria so I don't know I think my dad just loved it here I think he loved the nature he loved the weather um, which is interesting because we probably have the worst weather out of all of the states in Australia um, but my dad, yeah, my dad's always loved Victoria and uh, he just decided to settle here and um, and just start a life here. Yeah, there's worse places to be called, to call home though. It's, it's cool. It's really, I like, uh, the, like the coffee culture. I and, guess so. But, but Melbourne's kind of like pretty interesting right now with the lockdown. We've had the yeah. harshest lockdown 
I think one of the worst and the most harshest lockdowns internationally. Mm. Uh, we've been in lockdown since March and only yesterday have only things started to reopen. Uh, yeah. And that's close to, what, seven months? Something like that. Is it, it's incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge part of the culture of Melbourne is the, the coffee shops, the restaurants and things, isn't it? It's coffee, yeah. We're, I have to, like, how do you describe Melbourne? We're very pretentious when it comes to coffee. We're like coffee snobs. Um, and I think Melbourne is one of the the most like sought after cities when it comes to coffee. I think yeah. there was a few years ago, gosh, because I was actually researching this, can you believe this? Because I love coffee so much. Uh, Melbourne, I think, rated second best to, I think it was Venice in terms of coffee um, worldwide. Like it had the best coffee. You'll be, so, the, person uh, You'll be the person to ask. Flat whites, are, yeah. they, are they invented in Australia or New Zealand? Oh my God, that's actually, I don't know. I'm not going to make that up. I have no idea. <laughs> I would i would assume maybe Australia, but I have no idea. I've never looked that up. Um, I prefer yes. coffee like without milk, to be honest. So, um, so yeah. A black American. <laughs> Just have it like a long black, you know, yeah. pretty straight. So, yeah. I, I went to God Obsession with flat whites for a while. And uh, there's certain places like Scotland's probably one of the last places to get flat whites. And some places do them phenomenally well, and in some places do them bad. They just do white coffee. But uh, yeah. I love coffee too. Uh, I'm trying to trying to keep it to a couple of cups a day. But uh, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then talk to me about your business. So you've had a really interesting career, and and have you always have you always been quite driven? Or you how did you sort of get your your first job? If you don't mind me asking, were you? Well, the first job I applied for was McDonald's and I was I was rejected pretty quickly. I was devastated, actually. I thought if McDonald's is going to reject me, um, then I really have no future. Like I, I was really very, very devastated. I was, how old was I? Legally at the time, it was it was actually okay for you to apply for a job at 14 and nine months. Oh, okay. and, uh, and as soon as I hit 14 and nine months, I applied for a job at McDonald's. And uh, and I think I know the reason why they didn't accept me because the person that was interviewing me said, so where do you see yourself in six months? And then I said, I'll, I'll just, I'll have your job in six months time. So um, I never got the job. I don't know if that was the reason, but I literally had the confidence to say that as a 14 year old. <laughs> I, just, I just laugh at myself now. That's impressive. And, and where does that come from? Is it just something that was in you? You think I've just always wanted to be successful, to be honest, from a very young age. I just, uh, I've always wanted, um, yeah, just always wanted to be successful. And I think having like a leadership role or something like that was always very appealing to me. Mm. And, uh, and who doesn't want to be boss? Like, you know, when you're young and people are older than you, I always want to play boss and pretend you're bigger and better than what you really are, I guess. So, um, but my first, my first job uh, as a teenager was in retail. Um, but I have to answer your question. I have been very, very driven all of my life, really, when I think about it. So, uh, from a very, very young age, I remember <clears throat> it was probably even at the age of five, I really understood how important money was and I understood uh, the importance of influence. And even though I didn't know what those words meant, but I understood certain things and uh, and success has always been something that I've always driven for, always aspired to um, and just always wanting to improve and just continue to grow. It's always been a part of me, always. 
That's probably good parenting, right? To think about your parents. Of course, it's parenting, but it's also the experiences that you have growing up and the um, the things that you see growing up, uh, you know, whether it be directly from your family or outside of your family. <clears throat> so I think sometimes too, like you can be born a certain way and I think I am born this way too. That's not to say that I was born this way and that's it. No, like I've definitely tapped into it. I've definitely... Um, cultivated it and and you know uh it's become like my friend you know this this burning desire to want more uh and uh yeah so I do think it was definitely a part of me from when I was younger is it um, a burden but I think respects? is it a burden for you you know because you you know you would you, you consider yourself a contented person or you're you're so ambitious you've achieved loads of stuff right and would you say that you're on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? <laughs> it's such a good question, isn't it? It really is such a good question. I mean, am I content? Of course I'm content, um, but I always want more. Uh, that's just how I am. Like, I've. that's just how I am wired, I guess. You're content. And when I say I want... Content, in a way. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, well, I'm content as in I'm grateful. Uh, I'm very, I feel very blessed to be where I am in my life. Um, I like, I'm happy, you know, all of those things, but I don't like being stagnant. That's what brings me down when I feel like I'm not growing as an individual. I mean, put money, put all of that aside, success. If I don't feel like I'm actually growing as a person and I'm not, like I'm just like staying still, I feel like I'm literally in pain. I feel like I'm dying a slow death. I, I always say that and it sounds very dramatic, but that's the truth. Like that's how I feel. So uh, I, I'm i not dissatisfied. The, mm. Have you heard of the concept of total motivation? So you're you a highly motivated person. And there's there's three kind of direct motivators. One, play. So you're having a lot of fun doing what you're doing. The other one's purpose, which I think you write about in your profile quite a lot. So you've got a higher purpose doing what you're doing. And the other one is potential. So you're always developing and growing. So if you've got those three things, then it makes you really, really motivated. And and uh, yeah, you obviously you obviously like that in the way that you speak about it. That's what probably what drives yeah, you. Yeah, I love it. I just think personal development is such an important part of just life. And I wish these were the things that we were taught at a young age at school I um, mean, you know, I have a 10-year-old daughter and, and I know you're a father too. And um, well, you recently became a father, is that correct? Yeah, for the third time, I've got like a, a the first time I've had a daughter. Oh, th so three kids. Okay, well, you're an expert then. What am I saying? But you know, you know <laughs> what it's like. Like, you know, you want the best for your kids. And I wish these things were taught to me from a young age. But I've always been curious too. Like, uh, like thank goodness I was curious enough to like be open to personal development I just think it's just such a huge part of how we operate as humans yes. and going back to like this concept of purpose you know when, when I think about and I'm not obviously a psychologist or an expert in depression or anxiety but I feel that when someone is in that mindset and I've experienced this to myself by the way so I'm not completely immune to it um, when you are in that mindset where you feel really flat or disconnected or depressed or anxious I really feel it's because you're not aligned with your purpose whatever that purpose is and you're not doing the thing that you should be doing in your life and it's not you know it doesn't have to be work 
doesn't have to be work but I think you know having that drive for something is really really important otherwise then you kind of like well yeah of course you're going to feel lost and confused like what else are you going to do with your life if you don't know what you're going to do it really really does bring you down so it's the difference between you know you could get someone who's really good at maths and they go and teach kids maths and they could be really aligned to that purpose that you talk about because they're educating the next architects lawyers doctors you know teachers of tomorrow whereas they're really good at maths they go to the finance sector and are you know there's really good jobs in the finance sector of course but they might just go you know i don't like the fact i'm just making other people money and 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 they kind of they they kind of become directionless and depressed because of it and you live a lot rock and roll lifestyle with alcohol and drugs and and it's true yeah it's so true when you're in a sales role it's very common i worked in the banking industry and it's not even just you know not wanting to make people money it's also the way the banks treat you like Mm. you're only as good as your last sale and you get recognized for certain things and then it's literally all a a numbers game it's very very competitive like you have to have a thick skin and you've got to keep striving for more and more and more and then when you strive for more they want more from you as well so there's like this never-ending cycle of moreness if that's even a word it's not a word (laughs) but um but yeah, and then I, you know, I was around a lot of high achievers, um, very successful, like on paper, looking at them very, very successful, dressed in the best suits, driving the beautiful cars, you know, um, very wealthy, you know, I've got, they've got the beautiful wife at home with the kids, but yet they're just not happy not happy at all and also i've seen it too with clients as well what age did you establish obviously you've been you've had your own business for the last couple of years but did your purpose change in that time or previous prior to that or did you was there a time in your life where you thought like the switch had clicked and that's my purpose that's what i want to do well gosh it's such a big question isn't it because this whole conversation around purpose it's one, it's highly confusing and it's highly emotional and sensitive and intimidating and confronting and all of those sort of things. Um, look, I was in the finance industry um, or financial planning industry specifically for about 16 years. And uh, I, when I first started finance, I started for all the wrong reasons. I was really young too. Like I was super young I started working full-time very young I didn't wait until I finished my degree I'm like I'm not going to wait until I'm 22 23 to compete with 5,000 other students I'm going to start earlier Uh, so I started my career very early and um and so oh my gosh I just lost my track of thought so oh my goodness what happened I literally lost my track of thought but going back what was your question I'm so sorry about this I literally just okay you're absolutely okay so it's just the time in your life or that you know with that flip that switch purpose that's it you were talking about purpose I'm so sorry so when I first uh, got into the finance industry this was my thinking I was like I want to be rich and I need to be around money and people that are smart so financial planning was the industry that I decided. I'm like, well, financial planning, they'll teach you how to work with money and there'll be a lot of rich people that have money that need financial planners. So I'm going to be a financial planner. And that was literally my thought process. This was uh, when I was, at the time I was still studying, um, I was doing a double degree in business, but I was working full time. And, uh, and it was sort of coming toward 
maybe like halfway through my degree and I thought, oh, you know what, like this degree is good, but there must be something else for me. And then I ended up studying diploma in financial planning at the same time. And then I got into financial planning and that's where I thought I've made it like, yes, you know, this is going to answer all of my questions. This is going to help me become rich and everything else that I really wanted. Um, but, you know, when you're young, you're chasing for the wrong things really because you don't really know who you are. But as I, as I was working in the industry for, for a long time, to be honest, like I, James, I honestly did not feel happy doing what I was doing, but I was kind of like caught in it. You know, my parents loved having their daughter who was like a senior financial planner. They loved showing off to their friends and family. My daughter's a financial planner, you know, being Lebanese parents, it's sort of not as equivalent to saying you're an engineer or a doctor, but it brings a lot of pride, you know. And, uh, and so I just kind of like got stuck in this whole, well, I'm doing really well. I'm good at what I do. Yeah, I don't love it, but that's okay. But it's actually not okay. Like it was really quite miserable for a long time, but I was just very numb to it and I got used to it. And you've got to remember too, James, I think we're very similar. Or maybe, I don't know, you might be younger. I have no idea. But back then, like YouTube wasn't around, you know, all these opportunities that we have now, like doing these Zoom calls and interviewing people and podcasts, like, that that didn't exist it just didn't exist back then so it's quite it's quite easy to be caught in that big corporation and you don't have any headspace oh my gosh yeah a hundred percent you know yeah you get so caught and you get comfortable and like in my head I literally thought that I was running my own business (laughs) like I laugh at it now because like no way I had so much support um and I was getting an income and like life was pretty comfortable do you know what I mean but going back to your question um about four years ago was really my real turning point where I was really questioning oh okay like my life is not really where I want it to be um I was sort of I had a lot of personal stuff going on at the time and I had a number of miscarriages as well which really really um impacted on my uh like what do you how do you describe it it really affected me that's probably the best way to describe it and morale and you're just you kind of it's very very emotional time right it's very difficult to go through it's extremely emotional I mean even though I had a child at the time I mean god bless her it was because you know what it's like because you're a parent now like you, you know what a miracle it is to fall pregnant you know just the whole process you just don't realize what a miracle it is until you have that loss mm. and so 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 that happened and then um i was and i was running my own practice at the time my own financial planning practice and i was thinking to myself i thought okay you know this is like a real a real sign here like something is going on my body is something's not right here my body's rejecting something uh, obviously the pregnancy is and also um you know, I was just really looking and looking into that. I'm like, okay, this is happening for a reason. And uh, and the one thing that I kept gravitating toward was you're not feeling fulfilled, like you are not happy and you need to acknowledge that and you're not 21 anymore, like it's okay to be okay with that. And I think something happened, like I, I really grounded me and it just made me think about what I was going to do with my life. But that was really hard because it took me a long time to go, okay, so what am I actually going to do? Like, this is all I know. And 
at the time I was, you know, in my like mid thirties, I'm like, I have to start again, like again, I've got to start again. Like, this is scary. Um, what am I going to do? And all of those things were just going on in my mind. And, you know, it took me a good 12 to maybe 18 months to make the decision to sell my practice. And oh. I just, I started a podcast and that's, that was really oh. my, my next and step. Huge, huge risk at the time. And people thought you're nuts, right? Demma, you're nuts. This is crazy. You've got well, some- yeah, at the time, look, podcasts <laughs> were, were around, but not everybody really knew what it was. Um, and it's not like now where so many people consume podcasts now. It's like normal. You know, everybody knows what a podcast is. At the time, not many people did. And then if they di- did, they uh, would be like, obviously, excited for you or like hey are you literally selling your financial planning practice to like start a podcast like are you crazy um but I I knew in my heart that it was the right thing for me to do I was terrified I was seriously scared because I one I'm not a tech person I had to teach myself all these you know tech things to learn how to set one up and the software and the microphones and upload and edit and all those sort of things which I'm sure you probably taught yourself too how to do all these things Uh, but I I, it's not like I just decided to have a podcast just to put things into context with your audience I I don't know how much information you want or they want but just quickly I went through this process of my purpose like what is my purpose in my life what am I here for this is when I was thinking about leaving the financial planning industry well that's all I know what am I going to do I'm not going to go back and work for someone because that's just going to kill me. For me to be successful meant that I had to work six or seven days a week and my life wasn't mine and I had to report to people. It was just too much. Like I just did not, especially after becoming a mother, I'm like, no, I I can't do that. It's just, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to work for myself, continue to work for myself. And I was really happy doing that. But I went through this process of, okay, What am I going to do next that is going to have some meaning to my life? I wasn't thinking of the word purpose. I was just thinking of I want to feel excited. I want to feel, you know, um, like I'm really creating and building something that's really going to make an impact. They're the things that I was thinking of. And so I went through this process of, I'm not going to look for my purpose anymore because it's ridiculous. I was looking and looking and looking all of my life when I think about it, like looking for all of, for my purpose. And then I said this, and then I kind of like had this moment of thinking of those words, I'm looking for my purpose. And I kind of like giggled to myself. I'm like, what am I looking for? I've never lost my purpose. Like this is ridiculous. I've literally never lost my purpose. So I said, okay, so what does this actually mean? I need to take ownership of my life and acknowledge that I need to actually make a decision and create something for myself. And whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether I'm naturally good at it or not. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to create something and make it my own. Mm. Um, And that's really where it all started. And the podcast stemmed from it because I had a real desire to communicate with people. And I and what was could, the format? What was the format of your podcast? Was it kind of a, a monologue, or are you interviewing people, or what was the? 
yeah, it wasn't it wasn't about me at all. It was about um, successful people in business because I have a real drive for business, as you know. Mm. Um, and the way I thought of, well, how can I get close proximity to these people that are super successful? And one way is to set up a podcast. Now, that podcast that we're talking about is um, actually toward its end of its life. I'm building a new one now and I'm launching that in, in about three weeks' time. Okay. So it's kind of like evolved with me and um, as you grow, things grow and things change. But at the time, um, that's what it was. It was purely around entrepreneurship. I just want to get better at business. I want to get smarter. I want to be more successful. I want to learn from the best, but at the same time, help people in the process and ask those questions that other people aren't asking and educate people and really help people. Mm. So for me, that's really where it all started. Um, but I also had this course that I was selling, which was the Create Your Purpose course or method, whatever you want to call it. And I was helping people, uh, in mainly men in their mid-40s to like their 50s where they looked like they had it all together, but they were quite miserable. And so I was really helping a lot of people in that age group and in that demographic uh, really just create a new life for themselves wow. and kind of like move on from did what you, they were doing. Like your, your Simon Sinek stuff, like start with why and all those sort of books that are kind of trendy and purpose. Did you, did you study them or is it very much your own sort of creation? In your, oh, of course. Yeah. Like Simon Sinek is like that person, you know, when they say, who would you love to go and have dinner with and just spend some time with? Like he's definitely one of those people. Like his mind is just incredible. And I'd love <laughs> to just. My friend, Sai, I'll introduce you sometime. Is he your friend, is he? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now, back to it. I think naturally I was inspired by his work. Um, I, I, I use the word why, but I try not to because that's his thing, right? Um, you don't want to copy or anything. But for me, purpose was like a natural word that I just used and it kind of like stuck with me. And I'm um, not that I'm known for that word, but people do associate me with that word, especially on LinkedIn. But that's just like the closest word I can think of that gives your life meaning. Um, and yeah, so that that's really where it all comes from. But I came on my, I guess my new business was my podcast, which I was hoping to actually monetize and grow. Um, but my, <clears throat> my income driver was this program that I created, which was the same process that I went through to create a new purpose for my life. Um, and yeah, and that was the one thing that I was selling at the time. And, and did you build the business around you? Or are you very much kind of a, a, a one, one person uh, company or oh my gosh I do something totally different now James mm. like my business has totally evolved I don't know if you've had a look but um, basically uh, again just to put context for your audience so I came onto the LinkedIn platform uh, to promote my podcast this was in May of 2018 yes and uh, and so I started off with 500 connections and then within five months I grew my network from 500 to just under 25,000 hmm. and uh, and my message was just like going everywhere and people resonated with it people loved it they loved my mission they loved the, the con everything that I was creating online my content um, and in that process, James, people and companies were like watching me and they could see what I was doing and they were the ones that weren't visible. So as in, they never liked 
as in literally clicked on like on my content, mm. never commented. So I had these companies approach me and say, can you please show us what you're doing and teach us what you're doing now? As a business person, I was thinking, of course I can show you. I've got a whole, you know, my whole corporate program, which I didn't. I just made it up as I went, to be honest. Um, and I just went into these companies. And, and look, I've got a corporate background, so obviously I understand how it works. But I then ended up... The thing that's fascinating for me is that LinkedIn, there's loads of people that kind of lurk there and, and they can't be seen to be doing much on LinkedIn because it's detracts from their day job or it's seen as detracting from their day job. And people don't have, you know, not everyone's in a sort of a sales role and 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 you're kind of they're very careful with their digital footprint, if you like. So I worked with a whole load of engineers. And I know yeah. for a fact when I walked around the office when, you know, four or five years ago, everyone was on LinkedIn because they were looking for jobs elsewhere. But they don't want to be seen to be actively involved in communities online and things. Whereas during lockdown, there's a bit more appetite. and It's different. But I mean, LinkedIn now is different. Four or five years ago, it was was a resume like looking for work. But now it's all about your personal profile, your personal brand. Uh, It's so different now. It's not, it's not, I mean, of course, it is still the platform to look for work 100% because that's such a professional platform. But if you do, if you are a business owner, this is such a great way to promote your business. Uh, or even if you're a professional in your industry, employed, working for someone, and you need business, it is a fantastic platform, especially B two B. I highly recommend LinkedIn, and there are there are sophisticated, intel, intelligent conversations that happen on that platform. I mean. They're the same users of Instagram and Facebook. It's just that your mindset when you're on LinkedIn, and you would have noticed too, James, is that you don't just put a love heart emoji as a comment when someone's posted a video. Like you don't, you rarely see that. You rarely, rarely see that. You see very thoughtful comments. There are conversations that happen on the platform uh, and there's so much opportunity. And this is what happened exactly with me, James. So I started off with a very small number of clients that wanted to know what I was doing on LinkedIn. And now I've now what's 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 happened over this time frame? No, I, I'm not a sole, you know, a sole business person, or a, um, I'm not a one man band. So now I've got a team of people. We literally do everything for our clients now. So mm-hmm. my company purely focuses on content that is going to help CEOs and corporates become thought leaders on the platform. So we're not necessarily about lead generation in that traditional sense we're about elevating someone's profile so that they can attract opportunities mm. and we do everything for them so we do um, the video production the editing the copywriting the posting of the content the graphic design the linkedin optimization the messaging personal branding content strategy everything is done for them wow. so it literally started off with my podcast and my create your purpose method and then it went from hey Tima can you show us what you're doing and then I was giving free information around and then I had these companies approach me like hang on a second there's like opportunity here to I've now got a proper you know LinkedIn niched uh, focus purely in the corporate world um, and that's and that's my niche so so that's my income driver my my real Australia, like locally, geography wise, did you train? Oh, it's all over the world. I have clients in the UK even, so that's why I can convert the time pretty quickly when it comes to. I feel like yeah. UK is like my 
my second time zone. <laughs> I have clients in the US, the UK, um, and obviously Australia as well. Uh, but I'm it's also crazy, expanding into the right be a global citizen when you have such good access to people now, right? Because you well, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, why would you limit yourself to just one country anyway? And I think with everything that's happened this year is it's really taught us to not limit ourselves right now. We've been in lockdown in Melbourne since really since March. If I was to rely on the Melbourne economy, I would have closed my business. I really would have Hmm. because the sentiment here is quite low. People are not feeling happy. They're not looking forward to the future Many businesses have closed down. Um, so if I was to limit myself, I would have been one of those companies that would have closed down. But I'm pretty lucky too that my business is, is digital. So it's not like I have to convert my business to digital. There were definitely things that I had to convert pretty quickly. Um, but at the same time, I, I did get kind of lucky that I was in this industry before the pandemic hit. I'm not going to pretend that that was not yeah. a Even timing thing. I guess you met in an office before. Would that be right? Everyone's remote. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah, everyone is remote. So, uh, and, and that was initially that was designed not because of the pandemic. It was just the way it was just set up initially. And then I was planning to like eventually have like an office and have people in the office. Cause I love that whole concept. I don't, yeah. I enjoy working remotely, but I love being around people, to be honest. And I think it's such a different way of working. But what's happened now is because I have clients in different countries too, I like to have people that work in those countries, mm. especially if we're doing copywriting, for example, because the knowledge of, say, a copywriter that lives in the UK amongst the UK is different to someone that lives in Australia. So it's just yeah. different. So I kind of I've had to strategically do it this way. But in the future, um, whatever that looks like, uh, I, ideally I would love to have a proper office with like real human beings <laughs> next to me uh, and where I can just walk in and say hi to everyone and, and you know, get on with work. So that's that's the plan anyway. Do you have do you have links back to Lebanon? It's such an it seems like such an awesome country. Like I love the food. Lebanese food's some of the best in the world. You must Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Um I've got family that live there and uh it, it is it's a beautiful country. I mean, they recently had a lot of damage um to Beirut uh with the with the explosions um that was mm-hmm. in July. But yeah, it's a beautiful country. Uh, we're we're pretty lucky with the food and everything. So um, you want a, so, a yeah. close friend from Lebanon. He lives. So we worked together in Aberdeen in Scotland, and and he's back in the Middle East now. He's in Dubai, but uh, yeah, he's such a lovely guy, and he talks so highly of Lebanon. And I wanted to visit one day, so it's uh, it's on my list of things to do. Yeah. Yeah, so many, um, like Lebanon is kind of like the go-to in the Middle East. You know, if you speak to any Emirati or any other you know, Middle Eastern countries, they all love Lebanon. They love the Lebanese people. Like it is, it's a very loved country. Not by all countries, unfortunately, but yeah, it's a very loved place, but it's beautiful. You should you should visit there, definitely. It's but so you should go in, with, no, yeah. I spent so much time in Abu Dhabi and uh, Dubai and it's just like, it, it kind of it seems like a step above in terms of the culture, perhaps. Maybe it's, maybe not. Well, it's kind of, it's quite European. Like if you look at, yeah, it's just very European. There's a really wonderful nightlife there. I think one of the things you mentioned that you loved the Melbourne rooftop bars here, like the nightlife in Beirut is beautiful. 
and it's very European. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why people love it because it's not, you know, just Middle Eastern. It's like a fusion of so many different cultures there. So, yeah. And can I ask it? It's not, uh, I like asking bold questions and it's it, it meant with the, the utmost of respect. Like uh, I had a friend that visited um, uh, with my wife, actually. They went to, before we were, I met my wife, but they went to Australia and he's, her friend was mixed race and he was he was quite badly beaten up you know on in a beach in Australia and he found that it was there was quite an underlying racism in in certain parts of Australia at the time do you find that yourself or you kind of or do you think it is like Melbourne in particular is might quite multicultural you'd say but is that there's definitely racism of course there is I mean I don't know where this place was uh where was this do you know I think it was uh Brisbane on a beach in Brisbane Brisbane. yeah yeah look at it's not surprising. I mean, I, I think it's everywhere in the world. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people that are very loving and opening, open and accepting in this country, but there are definitely a minority of people that aren't. And I think that's just very normal in every country. That's not to say it's correct or right or in any way. Uh, but, I mean, you know, people still look at me and say, where are you from? And, I mean, I get it because I don't look typically Australian, but... I am Australian. I was born here. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, you do, you definitely, there definitely is some racism. And I think, um, you know, especially, gosh, I would say close to a, a year and a half ago now um, when there were all, you know, when, I mean, look, I love Donald Trump, by the way, if you're listening to this, but, you know, at the time when Donald Trump was talking about like building the wall and not allowing Arabs and Muslims to come into the country. And by the way, I am Arab and I am Muslim. So at the time it was sort of like, there was a lot of racism going on here. And even like my daughter at school, she would come back from school and she said, mommy, why do people hate Muslims? And why do they hate like us, like Arabs, like Middle Eastern people? And I was like in shock. I'm like, she was in grade prep at the time, you know, first year of school, uh, first two years of school. And I was thinking, gosh, like kids are talking about this. Like it, for me, it was more, it wasn't even about the kids. It was like, what are the kids listening to at home? Like, what are the parents saying to these kids? What conversations are the parents having at home? Like, that's not, you know, that's, that's not something that I feel is acceptable. And that's how it all starts. You know, it all starts mm-hmm. from the home. And, uh, and as a parent, it was, it was like such a real moment for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like my daughter is going to be exposed to this racism. It's inevitable. And uh, and I think when you are from certain uh, ethnicities or certain religions, you will always be, unfortunately, you know, finger pointed. Um, I'm sorry to hear of your friend, but I think it happens in every country, but it definitely happens here. But look, Overall, people are very loving here, very easygoing. It is very multicultural. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful country. It really is. And there are a lot of cultures here, a lot of cultures like Asian, Middle Eastern, European. Huge uh, yeah. Asian influences. So it? many, so yeah. many, yeah. Uh, and I, I think Australia is a, uh, yeah, a fantastic country. I'm, I don't want to say anything bad about it. That was quite some time ago that you was beaten up. But, you know, even with the, you know, the Black Life a movement of Black Lives Matter or BLM, it's it's kind of affected everyone in a in sense. And to me, like technology, it's it's making it radically transparent that there is issues in certain places, and that people can communicate internationally and take videos on their phone. And obviously, the horrific things that were recorded, that kind of exposes things that were there, underlying problems in society that potentially 
couldn't wouldn't be aired before or wouldn't wouldn't get much attention you know and and it was fine to get away with certain bad things but now it's like you, know, you can put a, put someone on a smartphone and then everyone knows about it and and you can shame people who have done wrong type of thing so you don't yeah, we do live in an interesting time we definitely do and i think what's happening now is a lot of this stuff that would have happened before this technology was available to us we're just more exposed to it now because we have access to information we have access to this technology like you said anyone can just start recording anything at any time and uh and just literally throw it out there into the world so it is it's a very interesting time we live in and as a mom it really how you, is how do you, you have you seen the social dilemma like as a mom are you worried for your daughter and social media and, and obviously you've used it to build your business but you know, she's probably, I guess she might have her own smartphone by now, would she have? Or she doesn't have a smartphone. She has an iPad. Um, she's 10 and I, I'm always like thinking, gosh, do I give her a phone now? Do I not give her a phone? The closest thing is she has an iPad. So she's got access to social media, um, not all platforms. Like she, she does enjoy TikTok, but I'm a very much a, this kind of parent, what are you watching? <laughs> Show me what you're watching. <laughs> if she's watching something, I'll, I'd like her to be around me so I can hear what she's listening to. Um, I mean, look, it's easier for me because it's the one child, but it's uh, I'm very much looking at everything that she's watching. Not all the time. I don't know everything that she watches, but I do my best. Um, it is scary. I think the biggest thing for me, it's not even social media. It's the messaging that is being given to her as a young female because I still feel that um, that young females feel that they need to be highly sexualized from a very, very young age. And that's yeah. what scares me more than anything else. Social media is going to be a part of her life. But what I don't want a part of her thinking is that she needs to walk around looking like a prostitute to be valued um, and showing her body to be valued and just looking, um, just uh, focusing on her appearance to be valued. And, and that's the thing that I don't like about social media. I feel like that is a message that I'm constantly sharing with her, constantly. And I created a lot of content myself too, as you've probably seen on LinkedIn, James. Yeah. You don't see me wearing low tops or like you don't, you don't see that. There's nothing wrong with wearing low tops, by the way, if there are any women listening to this. But what I'm saying is I don't rely on my sexuality to get views and to get likes and to get attention online. I'm relying on my uh, my substance and my intelligence and the topics that I discuss. That's not to say that there are people online that don't find me attractive, but that's their issue. I don't rely on it. And mm. so I'm very, very particular with, but how I produce my content, because if my daughter does watch it, I don't want to be that mum that's saying, no, don't do that, but I'm wearing like, you know, hot pants trying to get attention on TikTok. So um, I'm very, very, that is constantly on my mind. It's a real concern of mine. So that I show up and, yeah. What, mm -hmm. what daughter or any kid in the planet can back, go back through their parents' social media history and go, wow, my mum's documented her life. And, and, you know, she can get an education from that. She probably won't uh, uh, have an interest maybe until her late teens, but she could be really inspired by your journey as a business person as well, I guess, right? Well, that's that's the thing, right? You know, you want your kids to be inspired by you because they choose to want to be inspired by you. And, and uh, 
it's scary being a parent. Like, how scary is it, James? Like, it's scary. Yes. You don't want to, like, it's scary. Like, of course, one day they're going to look you up. And I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've definitely made mistakes. But the one thing, or not even the one thing, but the many things that I'd love for my daughter to take on is that you can do whatever you want in your life. Like, as long as you put your mind to it, you have to be a kind person. You have to be a kind and loving person. Like, that's just a non-negotiable and you have to be loving towards yourself. If those things she has, I think she's going to have a pretty happy life. Everything else around that can be built. Money, success, um, people, family, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But if you have that self-love and that inner peace, that's a very good foundation. And I think for kids like you and uh, for us like that has young kids like you and I, I think our main challenge is the self-love piece because they're exposed to so many different messages uh, that we really need to reinstill into our children's minds and their hearts that whatever they see online, nine times out of ten, it's fake. Whether it be filters or stories or showing how happy people are or how successful people are, it's most of the time it's fake. So, um, but for them they grew up with this technology like you and I, we didn't, we kind of had that normal childhood where we'd not see that sort of stuff. Like we just, I think the worst thing I ever watched was like a video clip, you know, of like Tupac or something growing up. Like that was probably the most, you know, graphic thing I had ever watched. Do you know what I mean? We're like now, <laughs> you know, you're seeing, um, young girls watching girls, uh, literally dancing like they belong in some strip bar and it's normal, you know, like the WAP song oh my gosh, that drives me insane, that song. Like uh, anytime my daughter sees anything like that on TikTok, it's like, and don't watch it. Had you seen like the Social Dilemma on Netflix, the, the documentary? Have you watched that one yet? Uh, that, that, no, I haven't watched uh, Cuties or something. I saw I saw like conversation around it on Twitter as mainly. Yeah. And then I watched a little cl- clip of the show and I was shocked. I was literally just... I was I felt sick after watching that. I couldn't believe a, what I watched. I guess you're you know, you're so into social media. So you'll see it yourself, like some of the behaviors that you're you're you kind of it's hardwired to check your notifications or you know, and was that post successful? You know, it gives you a wee bit of anxiety perhaps. You know, and it takes a while to get used to that and, and sort of normalize mm-hmm. and sort of put it in a box. I guess you know and get better with I've it. I've never had anxiety from it. That's the truth. I have definitely gotten caught up with what are my numbers. I'm yeah. not going to lie, but yeah, I can but tell you. It's going to be gamified. Well, there is well, made yeah, because it's kind of like a good feeling, isn't it? Like you feel good about yourself when people like your content. And they come, you're like, oh, wow, like look at all these people that are liking and commenting. But I don't get caught up now very like if I do because there are still times you're like oh my gosh like so many people are really happy with what I've put there and it's resonating because I feel happy because I spent hours on that video or I spent whatever amount of time on this specific post for example but what I always remind myself of is you're doing this for a higher purpose and of course visibility and numbers are important and it's actually quite important with the job that I do because no one's going to work with me if I don't personally get the numbers, if that makes sense. Mm. It's like being an investment banker. You're not going to go and invest with an investment banker if they're driving 
like some crappy car. Like you expect them to drive a luxury car. Uh, and it's the same thing with what I do, right? So, um, so but I, I, I don't allow myself to get caught up with the drama of the numbers because uh, you stop posting, you resent, you hate what you do and then you start comparing yourself and it's not something I'm interested in because what I'm doing is for a longer longer term view and it's for a higher purpose so hmm. but then uh, back to the kids it's kind of it's very you should watch the social dilemma for the for the sake of your daughter in a way because it, it shows you some of the, the 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 way apps and and things have been gamified and how how it can you know cause problems kids being bullied around the clock as opposed to just in the school ground and you kind of i guess you know all these things but it's quite it's quite well illustrated in the in the documentary but, uh, but yeah, I, I worry for my kids as well. I've got three kids and, and I just I just hope that in 10 years time or so it'll all settled out and it'll be, you know, whether it's legislation or just through understanding what control measures you can put in place as a parent and, and get it right. But it's, it's kind of complicated. It makes the world far more complicated than it was when we were growing up. But um, Oh, 100% I agree. And this is why I think personal development is the thing that will help the mindset work, the the self-worth work, the confidence work, uh, reminding our kids that they are more than that. They are more than what they perceive to be real. And uh, it really just comes back. To, I honestly believe it comes back to self-love and it comes mm. back to your upbringing at home. And you don't want your kids to be escaping to social media. You have to have a close relationship with your children. And it's so hard, like, I work long hours. It's very hard to run a business and have that quality time with your kids, but something has to give and it can't be your children. It just can't. <laughs> What's the point in having this massively successful business if you don't have your child next to you? You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now back to it. It's been hard during lockdown to kind of find that balance, if you like, between in work and, and home life because you're all there's no balance uh, there is I'm not going to pretend and go yes my life is zen and I meditate every half an hour no it's not like that um, I was homeschooling my daughter uh, for most of the uh, lockdown uh, up until about two weeks ago she went back to school uh, and oh. it is but I honestly I was a little bit stressed in the beginning I'm like, team, I get over it. Like, what, what are you going to do? This is the way it is. Just enjoy it. And I miss having her at home. Like, she's like my best friend. Mm. I miss having her at home. I just worked around her. There were certain subjects that she needed my help with, so I just didn't book in appointments around that time. I was working much longer hours because having those broken moments throughout the day meant that the momentum was gone. And for me to get back into it, it takes me a lot longer. And that, and that's the truth. I'm not one that if I lose a momentum, I can get straight back into it. No, I can't. I actually need to like get back in because a lot of the work that I do is quite creative. So I've got to get back into the headspace um, and all of that. But the, you know, the project management stuff is something that I can get straight back into. But I found myself working a lot longer hours. I was a lot more exhausted. But at the same time too, in the beginning, I was trying to save my business too. I didn't want to lose my business. So I was like working crazy hours to get new clients and to sort of think of other ways that I could, um, you know, create something new within my business to attract new clients as well because I, I, I had a lot 
to to work through. But uh, having the the amount. Must be a year of growth for you, would you say? Because what you're doing so trendy and it's you've, you're so well established prior to 2020 to some extent. Oh my gosh, this has been the best year for business for me. I feel really bad even saying that because I know it's it hasn't been like that for others. Um, but but I have to say, like it's not because I'm, you know, it just magically happened. Like yes, I happen to be in the right industry before this happened like that's a massive tick like I'm blessed that happened way before all of this happened I definitely have lost business a hundred percent like throughout this entire period and you've got to remember initially I was just Australia based Um, I had one client internationally but a majority of my clients were here in Melbourne and then about three days before we were in the first lockdown, I lost my two biggest clients. <laughs> they were just gone. So um, so I had to, in a way, I felt like I was almost like starting again because I got too reliant on that income. And that's the biggest problem when you are sort of building a business. So I've learned massively from that. But over the past few months, uh, I've applied different things and I've attracted different clients and it's been the best year of business for me, especially in the last few months. Uh, it's just been incredible. So I, I'm very, very grateful. It'll make you far more resilient going forward, I think, just because you have been through so a bit of chaos, if you like. But. Well, it just gives you confidence, doesn't it? Like I think all of us, regardless of business or not, we've been through it. Like we need to at least acknowledge the fact that we have survived it. We, we have survived through this and we've homeschooled for us, for us that have had children or that have children. Um, for, for, for anyone that had, all of us, like regardless of what the result is for, for each individual person, to go through this is not easy. It's just not. And to come through it in the end, no matter how you look or how you feel, you've been through it. No matter what, it's a life experience. It's just going to make you stronger, wiser. And, like, what else can you say about this situation? It's not a good situation. And uh, and I know that in the UK, like, you've got um, curfews now and, like, what are we, 16 again? Like, seriously? Because <laughs> we, we had curfews for, for months. For months, it was insane. So it's the whole the whole mindset piece is it's really really challenging. Like it's to even just get through that is hard. And there's no real end in sight for for where we are, you know. And that's and how it feels, right? Yeah. Australia, hundred percent. You looked to Australia. I think it was in April, and it's like your your stats are so low and it's so contained. And it's like, well, that's great, but then you know the rest of the world's in turmoil. And and how are we ever going to get trade? How are you ever going to get tourism back? And it was like a very it was kind of, I thought, the very false message at the time that Australia's thumbs up, we're fine. It's like, well, that's great, but, you know, it affects so many parts of your economy that you've locked down as a country now that how do you get going again? And, and you know, and obviously it's risen. There's been far more cases now and things in certain part places. It's- Look, to be honest, in comparison to the rest of the world, our cases were not high. Yeah, they were not high at all. And you've got to remember too, like geographically, we are so far away from the rest of the world. So in a way, we are locked away because it's not like you can just drive from, say, New Zealand to Australia. <laughs> you can't do that, obviously. So even I think that's a vast country in its own right. So your cities are quite far apart, and 
Yeah, we're all quite far up. Like we, we, we're even locked away from other cities. Like we're not allowed to travel from state to state. So the impact has been devastating here. Yeah, it looked all fine and dandy, say in March, maybe March, maybe earlier on this year, but it hasn't been the case. Mm. Uh, I know people that have closed their businesses down, that have it's impacted their livelihood. Um, it's It has not been a fun experience. And just even just seeing businesses locally that have now permanently closed, it's really sad. It's actually really, really sad. You know, the whole vibe, it's more about the vibe too. Okay, retail stores are open, but the vibe is gone. Like that energy, that excitement, it's just not there. You know, it's it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think the whole world is in the same situation in terms of having to rebuild their own economies. People have to rebuild their minds, reconstruct themselves, rebuild their business or their, you know, career or their home, like, everyone is has been impacted even even like so. there's so many businesses that you just can't see and out for them you know i'd like you i'd oh, i've got three young kids and i'm used to soft play areas you know soft play it's just like a wee coffee shop with our soft play area for kids to run around in and it's perfect for oh people. yep yep and so you look at these businesses a year ago and you're like wow this is a really good going business and mm. like how much churn is this place going to it's so true it's really sad isn't it it's really really sad and there's no support for them and it's like now how could they ever rebuild i would would struggle to take a kid to soft play area again it's bad enough they have to go to nursery and it's like absolutely definitely but i think one of the biggest lessons to hear is uh and not many people would love to hear this but it goes it also is a massive lesson when it comes to cash flow management if you don't have good cash flow management and you're literally just relying on day by day this comes back to even households, not just business, but yes. even households, then this has been a massive learning curve because you can't just live on week-to-week income. We need to have savings. We need to have a plan. We need to have massive. other income streams. And, and you know, if you look at, like, generations gone by, you know, after the Second World War, they're very frugal people. You know, they're just grateful for the little things that they did have in life and they save money and then... Another two generations on, it's the opposite way. It's like ting, 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 ting. Let's get cars on finance. Let's get washing machines yeah. on finance. Yeah, that's right. Because everything's accessible to us now, isn't it? So, but it's still like that, but not like what it was, say, nine months ago. Everything's changed now. So, a lot of lessons, 100%. It's, I know it's like way too positive to look at it that way, but you have to look at it that way. Like, what have you. What are the, I mean, for me anyway, what have I learned is that if you asked me a year ago and said, Tima, you're going to be homeschooling and running your business and scaling it in 2020 from March till October, I would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> There's no way that's going to happen. What, I just like, especially the homeschooling. What's your ambitions mm-hmm. in terms of your business? Do you want to get to a headcount of like 50, 100 people or how do you, how do you see it? That's a good question. Um, I do see my company becoming one of the most premium LinkedIn uh, agencies in Australia. I mean, we are heading that way purely because of the fact that I really understand the platform. But myself as a brand, I see it continuing to grow globally. Uh, I'm relaunching or I am launching a new podcast called Deconstructing Success. 
and that's also part of my brand my my personal brand I really want it to be global I, I do want to dominate my brand globally I have a lot of plans for myself personally and my company and uh, in, in my company in terms of growing my company will help me build that success for myself as well on a personal level so uh, I see my podcast growing. Um, I see it really just, I'm just excited about my podcast. There's so many exciting things happening with that in terms of conversations and really where I see it heading. It's a whole new platform that I'll be uh, creating around the podcast. So they're my like my bigger dreams, but it's all about really just helping people and helping them understand to not lose hope, as cliche as that sounds, and really understand that they can construct themselves to be whoever they want to be, because it's true. We can, we can be whoever we want to be. And I, I want to be a part of that message. So that's cool. And, and help people. Do you, do you worry that, you know, you've doubled down on LinkedIn that you're, would you be on other platforms as well? You know, for Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram as well. There are other plans uh, to grow on other platforms, but I need to remind myself that, you know, I don't want to be like uh, absorbing myself too much into social media because I have other responsibilities as well. And I do it all. I do that part myself. I don't hire people to do it. I'm very hands-on with my own uh, profiles. So everything you see online is what I've created and all the engagement is me. So I don't hire people for that. So I know that for me to grow, I probably have to. But for now, when it's you, LinkedIn and Instagram. And when you look at someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's probably as high as you can go in terms of success, it's like it gets to the point that you can't answer every comment yourself, you know, and, and you, no. you can't be on all these platforms and there's new platforms coming about all the time. So you almost get content creators that take your messaging that's raw, maybe on LinkedIn and your videos are on LinkedIn and put them elsewhere and sort of carve them up in different formats to make them digestible. Yeah, it's so true. But the thing is, I I love the engagement. Like, I love the engagement more than the content, if that makes sense. I mean, that comes from the content, but I love the engagement piece. You know, the thought of James thought that even if someone was to listen to this, like how, like how grateful are you knowing someone is going to listen even if they were to listen to, say, five minutes of this episode, maybe it's way too long or too boring for them, I'm not sure. But even if they listen to five minutes, they've invested five minutes of their life. Like, how amazing is that? Like, I just think it's just amazing that someone's listening to your content, my content. Like, we're not Gary Vee, you know, we're not Tony Robbins, but someone's investing their time in listening to our content. And it just fills my heart. It just really, really does. And I think, well that piece I love that people choose to contribute their time and then they also then contribute a really beautiful message or a comment or a direct message or even if they click on the like button or even if they don't and they're just watching it like I feel that that's such a special precious gift that they're giving you and uh and it's a real big part of why I love what I do yeah and I'm I'm kind of uh and I was like a a consultant, an engineering consultant for 10 years. Prior to that, I was I worked offshore and oil and gas type stuff. And so I had 15 years as fairly professional, sober engineer, if you like. And then I started this company, which we were obsessed with uh, culture and strategy. So culture is one of the things I, I want to lead on is developing winning cultures for companies and, and understanding mm-hmm. what a culture is and how you can develop it and maintain it and define it. So it's really intended because so many companies have a culture that just comes about 
Whereas if you, as you already did do, you know, you start with the real reason of why, what's your values, what's your vision, your mission, what's your principles, perhaps. And then, you know, Netflix have done it with the culture deck. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but mm-hmm. 128 mm-hmm. page culture deck that they had that was instrumental to the success of Netflix. And it's like, it fascinates me how company like Netflix, obviously it was the right time, right place, but it was driven by the culture and the mindset of the people that they were able to rise up and, and conquer the world in a short space of time. And it's like, uh, so I, I kind of, I'm really trying to help organizations. We're doing it just now is to define what their culture is and how they can improve it and maintain it mm-hmm. and take ownership mm-hmm. of, of it. Uh, so that's kind of the, the space I kind of working in, but the podcast and the social media stuff is like, well, how am I supposed to do business in 2020 without like having a bit of an outreach and having uh, a brand and, and, yeah. and, you know, we can't go not. You have to, you know, you have to, because that's what sets you apart. Right? Yeah. Well, that's right. But that, that's what sets you apart. And this is why, you know, people say to me, well, why should I go online? Like my one, their business is probably going really well and they don't really need technically new business, but that's what sets you apart. This is how people get to know you. You know, if we're if you're going out for dinner, what's your wife's name, Jane? Uh, name yeah, Lorraine. Lorraine, Lorraine, yeah. Lorraine. Is that Lorraine? Lorraine, yes, it's quite a Scottish name, Lorraine. Yeah. Lorraine, okay, beautiful <laughs> name. So if you're going out for dinner, she probably is going to do a bit of research. Let's say it's some place you've never been to, or you've said to her, go choose a place. She'll probably look at Instagram, she'll probably look at the, you know, how the dishes look on the on the plate, she might look in, in the gallery and see, well, how does this, you know, how does it look like inside? And, you know, we do that research before we even make a decision, before we go to a place. So, and that's dinner, right? Or lunch or breakfast, whatever that might be, or anniversary dinner, whatever it is. If someone's going to potentially want to work with you, they're going to look you up. That's it. They're just going to type in your name and see what comes up. And most of the time, if you have a LinkedIn account, your LinkedIn profile will come up and that is a great way for people to get to know you. And if you are selling something and you have content that cuts your sales process down, it just does because people are either going to buy into you or be repelled by you, just not interested. And that, that even shortlists the people for you. It's probably even easier for you. So this is why it's so, so important to be online because people get to hear your voice, especially if you do video, they get to see how you speak, they get to see how you communicate and uh, and you feel closer to that person. You feel like you've already met them, but you haven't it's met weird, them yet. It's weird, isn't it? Because you, you'll get that feedback that someone will meet you for the first time in person and be like, wow, it's actually, they feel like they know you, they're more familiar with yes, you. Yes, exactly. And that's that's exactly what I want for anyone like when whenever they're online, yes, you know, you've you probably watched some of my videos. Um, I'm pretty sure because that's how we connected anyway. Yes, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that's how you feel, you know, after watching my videos and after meeting me for the first time today. So you don't want someone to feel disappointed and go, oh my gosh, like you know, I thought this person was a lot nicer or a lot more successful. Or you want them to meet the person that they're seeing online. You know, it's the you know, worst it's feeling. The funny thing is, like, uh, like our, our values are trust, authenticity, and courage. That's the three values that we've got. And authenticity to me is really important in this day and age, you know. And and, mm-hmm. and the and there's loads of reasons why I talk about that. But it's like I, I use the analogy of internet dating, right? So I 
I was like, I never used internet dating before I met my wife, but my, my wife through internet dating actually, and we got married and we just connected. We were so in line and we, I guess, cause we answered all these questions and you, all the sort of work that you put into a profile and it, it matched us and we went for a date and it just clicked and we got married within, I think it was nine months and or engaged within nine months, married maybe in, within two years. And, and we had oh, three kids. Beautiful. Like I, 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 I had like, loads of different girlfriends and relationships throughout my life but the the screening tools and things that were used with internet dating that we used the platform that used was really powerful but one thing about that is that so much internet dating is fake you know there's people put up profile pictures of themselves that aren't actually anything like them and it's like uh, I don't think the power of video it gives more authenticity and it's very hard to to you know be that fake I, I guess you can put on an act and stuff but well you can for the first few videos right like you can you can pretend you're someone you're not but if you're constantly creating content you can't just keep putting on that face like unless you're an actor or something like naturally your real side sort of comes through yeah so that's why it's just best to be yourself from the very beginning it's just a choice that you have to make like and that's yeah. not to say that you are completely comfortable on camera but just to be yourself because I know that when I first started, James, I was really concerned and this is going to sound so ridiculous, especially if you have males that are listening to this conversation, but the females will get it. You know, I was um, thinking I'm not 25 and I'm not like super bubbly and I'm like, hey, guys, like I'm not like that. I'm very like this is who I am and I'm not young and I'm not saying I'm old but I'm not you know I'm not 20 something if you know what I mean like I'm not that youngish girl and so when I started creating video I was like I was really concerned I'm like what if people think I'm too old what if they don't think uh, I'm attractive or what what if they don't think that I'm you know smart or what if they just think I don't belong online and those those things definitely entered my mind in the beginning and I said to myself Timmy you have to get over yourself because this literally has nothing to do with you like this message that you're sharing is for the greater good and that's what kept pushing me through um but and I decided from the very beginning I'm not going to pretend that I'm this like bigger personality than what I am because Mm -hmm. the ones that do really really well are the ones that are quite bubbly and like jumpy and you know, like this, and that's not who I am. So I never expected to get the results that I did. I was just happy that I got over my own insecurities and I don't like pictures, I don't like video. Like I was that person that just always ran away from that sort of stuff. So coming from that to now constantly creating video all the time, it says a lot about the fact that um, you have to get over your insecurities, but you have to be yourself. And people are only going to stick with you and, and have that sort of dwell time, if you want to call it that, because there's substance to your messaging and there is substance to what you say. It's not just, it comes from a place of experience, whereas... You know, well, it, it does, yeah, you're it does. And, and, you know, flaunted it a bit more, like sex sells, and it's, but at the same time, you know, you, it kind of, I don't know, you, you have to have substance to it. And, and it frustrates me yeah, sometimes you when you see, like, people in the 20s, early 20s that put stuff out there and it gets so many likes and and stuff and it's just like well yeah but you know what it is but that's human nature though like when you think about it we are naturally attracted to beautiful things like that's just how we're wired you know you're going to look at a beautiful 
so like if you're in nature and you see this beautiful flower like you're going to stop and look at it or a beautiful tree like we're just naturally wired that way and that's just how it works on social media as well but like you said you know you can only rely on that for so long and then people get bored because there's going to be somebody else that's prettier or better looking to look at and then people move on if you've got nothing else to offer so um I mean, that's not to say that 20-something-year-olds don't have a lot to offer because there are so many that do. It was just my own personal insecurity knowing that I wasn't 20-something going, oh, my God, like, why did I not start this when I was younger? But then I remembered that it didn't exist when I was younger. <laughs> just, you know, Instagram wasn't there and YouTube wasn't there. <laughs> so um, It feels, it feels yeah. really cringy to see yourself in video as well and you feel like a, a, a wally for doing it, right? A bit. Uh, I'm well because I I sometimes edit my own videos um I I look beyond it now where in the beginning I was like oh my gosh why does my nose look like that or why am I you know why did I is that how I speak is that how I said that word like you do realize that especially when you're hearing your own voice you're like gosh is that how I say that word like I never thought I said it that way it was just you overanalyze and then you see you've got and you stop a nice accent you speak very well and i find that i say uh and uh and I, i'm really clumsy because i'm scottish i'm slightly <laughs> dyslexic right so my head i think my head goes faster than my mouth can go sometimes or vice versa but you see that's what that's what makes <laughs> you you right and that's the thing it's all those things that we think that we don't like about ourselves is what people like about you and <laughs> like go, going back to even the way i speak I was told, funnily enough, James, I wanted to be a speaker many years ago and I went to go get some personal, uh, like, professional training and I went to this professional speaker and he obviously met me, this is how I speak, and I was, you know, I went through this, like, practising and he said, no, 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 you'll, you, you'll never be a speaker. You, you, can't, you, will, you just won't make it. No, you, you're just too boring. This was his feedback, right? This is me trying to improve myself. So I, if I had listened to him, I would never have gone on camera. I knew that the way I spoke was not bubbly. I knew that. But that's just how it, that's the way I speak. Like, what can I do? I can improve it. I tried to improve it, but he, the guy just insulted me. But when I when I do my videos now, you know the the thing that people meant, and he also commented on my voice, saying that my voice is um, what did he say? That it was too like weak and monotone. So now, if you go back into some of the comments, if you just go back, not that you have to do this, so I don't expect you to do this, James, but I'm just giving you like an example. There are two things that people say that they love about me. It's my voice. And the way I speak. Mm. And they're the two things that this professional picked <laughs> on. Right? So, and I didn't like that about myself. I didn't like the fact that I sounded boring. I, I, I mean, I thought I sounded boring and I didn't like the way even my voice sounded. But they're the two things that people resonate with. And it's a constant thing. Even when I send voice notes, people say, oh, my gosh, you have such a beautiful voice. Thank you for sending me this voice note. I, I really resonate with what you said or whatever it is. And it's those things that I disliked about myself and those things that you're just saying or that you, you stumble on your words. It's the things that people love about you. And I'm sure that's why your wife loves you and your family and your friends. And yeah. You have to sympathize. Like when I go subtitle things, you know, there's this uh, app called... <laughs> and it's like, oh, my. It's like... <laughs> I'm like 
and it doesn't the subtitle doesn't recognize it it's coming up with the wrong of word. course it doesn't but it doesn't recognize the australian accent either we, we both sound drunk half the time the australians <laughs> and the scottish you know so that's just how we speak it's actually quite funny so i think the subtitle apps in general they just understand the americans because we don't really pronounce our k's and our t's and our r's do we so we just kind of like just continue on and doesn't even know what word we're actually trying to say so is but this, i think the scottish is slightly harder <laughs> this famous one uh, scottish sketch show where it's a lift and his voice activated you, you might have seen it and it's like they have no. to say like floor 11 and they're like 11 11 and they're just shouting at this voice activated box and a lift for for, for ages and the lift obviously doesn't understand them. Oh. So it's like, <laughs> oh, that is so funny. You have to send that to me. Every time I think of Scottish, I just think of Braveheart and like, you know, Mel Gibson in his, in his movie Braveheart. Yeah. Um, that whole scene, the whole freedom scene, it, it always gives me goosebumps. That just goes to show how like untraveled I am when it comes to Scotland. But I've I've only seen beautiful images of your beautiful country. So. It must uh, even the Russell Crowe connection because he's Australian, right? So it kind of it probably mm-hmm. it probably sold more Braveheart copies than <laughs> than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Well. Um, it was Mel Gibson, wasn't it? it wasn't It wasn't Russell. Oh, yeah, uh, I know, Mel Gibson. It sorry, was yeah. Mel Gibson, yeah, yeah. So um, that was a long time ago, that movie. That It's such an iconic movie, though. But um, but I I would love to visit Scotland one day because I know you have some beautiful castles there, too, a lot of history and a lot yeah, of beautiful you'd, you'd um, love it. landscape. And, yeah, well, we'll, we'll take care of you when you visit. Just uh, hook us up and uh, give us a shout and we'll give you some, uh, some a tour guide or something. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. So, um, so thanks for yeah, thanks for the conversation today and for inviting me to come on to your yeah, show. You've really been very generous with your time as well. So, thank you very much. I know you're busy. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk, and thanks to Tima for our time. I'm sure everyone would agree it was an interesting discussion. Next episode, we're talking to Pim Demore from the Corporate Rebels. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at mostly.consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend?